morning, TLC. Man, you know, we, I think we got a lot of things from the retreat. Uh, we came back with a lot more courage. We came back equipped and inspired. And half of us came back with the flu, right? Whoever patient zero is, I'm going to find you. Lord. All right, my wife and kid is sick right now. They're at home. I, I isolated myself. I, I was like, don't touch me. Don't sleep next to me. Don't even breathe on me. And I still got the cold somehow. So I don't know. It's a Petri dish sometimes when you get sick. But, uh, and you know what's funny, though? It's that both of them both got their flu shot. I don't believe in that stuff anymore, man, like flu shots. All right. Hey, you know, we just got back from our retreat. I'm so grateful for our church and just for what uh, God was doing. Uh, I, really, I, I'm, I was really blessed to see our leaders coming in there, um, see you guys stepping out and just going out there and just share to pray for people, to believe that it can be something that can be done easily. It can be done something that's just part of your life, who you are, right? Rather than just thinking like it has to be something that has to, you have to bring them to church and then the whole church business and then they'll be okay. No, it's just you go out there and you'll be able to share your faith and, and live your life naturally for those around us. And that was the hope. The hope was you guys to come back here and believe that I can do this. I can do this at home. I can do this with my workplace. I can do this with my school. I can do this with my colleagues, my friends. I can just share the gospel because the power to transform belongs to who? To Jesus, right? And all we got to do is preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. All right, guys. We are in a series called Pour Out Your Life. Pour Out Your Life. I am, um, last, me- last week's message, Evan gave a whole wonderful message about prayer and really what it looks like to be in prayer. Uh, for the eight of you guys who were here, you know, you guys were blessed with that message, right? Uh, for the other rest of us, it was an amazing prayer, uh, worship, uh, message on prayer. If you missed it, YouTube. Okay, it's on YouTube for us, okay? Today's message, okay, oh, actually, let me explain to you the theme. 2020, our theme for this year is Beyond Us, A Year for Others. We really want to live this year as an investment and a pouring of ourselves into the life of somebody else. We don't want to be a year where we focus on making my version of myself the best or trying to focus on what's good for me or even trying to, my best to like go out there and do things really, but benefit, really for the benefit of myself. But at this year, that you will find somebody and you will pour your life out into that person, that you do what you need to do so that they can be who they were always meant to be. And this year, 2020, the hope for TLC is that we develop a culture of people who are willing to preach the gospel wherever they go, to whomever they face, whomever God has placed in their surrounding, in their atmosphere, in their um, vicinity. And if you journey through the series with me and you're paying attention and you're walking with me, what's going to happen is you're going to be a better leader. You're going to be a better ministry leader. You're going to be a better small group leader. You're going to be a better salt group leader, right? You're going to be a better father, a better mother, a better husband, a better wife, right? You're going to be a good leader to go through this process because it's, it's, it's this amazing letter that Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, pouring out his heart to Timothy, sharing with Timothy, Timothy, this is what it looks like to live your life for somebody else. This is what it looks like to pour out your life for somebody. This is what it looks like to do so. So go, I command you, do that for the church which I have placed you at in Ephesus. And so Paul commands Timothy to go to this church. There's a lot of bad teaching that's going on in this church, a lot of bad doctrine that's happening, a lot of false teachers going there, messing a lot of people up. And Paul says, 
Timothy, I trust you. I love you. I have poured out my life into you all these years. Now go and pour out your life for this church. Right? And so that's what we're going to be uh, focusing on today. Um, if you are woke, this message is going to offend you. Okay? Um, I'm going to do my best to make my argument for it. But if you are a woke SJW secretly somewhere, right, this will offend you like no other. But I hope, I hope that you hear my heart. I hope that you understand that this is coming from a place where my authority is in the scriptures. I hope you understand that I am not here to offend you, but I'm here to help transform and renew your mind, right? That is my goal, my hope. Um, but to do this, I need an illustration, which I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, okay? I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, and they're going to they're gonna play their, uh, a verse, one of the sets that they've been playing, as they are, okay? As they are. Drummers with the drums, singer with the singer, bass with the bass, keyboard with the keyboard, guitar with the guitar. They're going to play the song as they know, as they, as they understand how to do it. They're, you're going to see the harmony, you're going to see the, the order, you're going to see them doing what they're supposed to be doing, and it's going to sound beautiful, right? They, they, give it up for Billy, leading praise today. Yeah, right? Man, yes. Yes, my Lord, right? The man's voice, it just soothes me into worship, right? And so we're going to see this, the harmony of it, the beauty of it. And then, after they finish the verse, I'm going to have them all switch roles. They're going to play things that they never played, and I think Lung's going to sing, right? He's going to, like, I've never heard Lung sing in my life before. But they're all going to do what they've never done before, right? And I want you guys to see the, the stark difference, okay? All right, when are you guys ready? That's how it's supposed to sound, right? That's how it's supposed to sound when the keyboard, the drum, everyone's on beat, the key's on there, right? That's how it's supposed to sound when your pastor's not singing. All right, here we go. Now, we're going to switch it up. Yeah. They, this might not work. If, if, if they're too good, it, it might not work, okay? If they end up being too good, our, our musician may be too good. So. Yes. All right. Okay. Whenever you're ready, Bonnie. Awesome. All right. Hey. Uh, all right. So, you know, when, when they are in the role that they're supposed to be in, right, when they're doing what they were um, 
practice, what they've rehearsed, what they've, what they've learned, what we see is, what we, is, is a harmony. We see an order. We see connection. We see this, this, this um, complementarian of sounds and vocals and beats all coming together, creating this amazing and wonderful harmony. Amen? Right? But when they're off, when they're off in different, different areas that they're not supposed to be, when they're in different order, when they're outside of the created order, what happens? We see they're playing something, but it's not connecting, and there's no what? Harmony. Everybody say harmony. harmony. There's no harmony. There's nothing going on there, okay? And so today I want to talk to you guys about that because today's message is about this concept called spiritual authority, Okay, spiritual authority, and it's really controversial because it talks specifically about an area of, of, of sisters and women, what they are supposed to and not supposed to do, but it relates to the whole church as a whole as well. Let me, in order to understand this, we got to start off in the beginning, okay? We start off with the presupposition that God is God, and he is real, okay? And if he is God, and he is real, and he has created the institution called manhood, and the institution called womanhood, then who alone knows what makes a man flourish and what makes a woman flourish? God. That wasn't a trick question. That was a real question, right? If he made the institution of manhood and womanhood, and he alone understands what makes a man flourish and what a woman, what she needs to do in order for her to flourish, okay, that means that when we come to this place, we're trying to listen to what God has to say in regards to the role of men, the role of women, when they work together in that way, complementing each other, you create what we call harmony. Harmony, right? For example, before sin entered the world, manhood was not something that just naturally happened. Womanhood was not something that kind of socially constructed over time, okay? Manhood was something that God put together, he ordained, and he fitted Adam to do. He gave Adam specific instructions of if you are my son, I have made you man, and as a man, this is your responsibility. You are to be a leader. You are to be someone who cares. You are to be loving and caring and strong for your wife and family. In the marriage home, God gave Adam a specific instruction for manhood. You guys get me? To be a leader, to be someone who's loving and caring for his wife and his family. And in the same way, God gave instructions for a woman, for a woman to exercise her role and her order faithfully, okay? God ordained and fitted Eve to be a partner who supports and honors the leadership in such a way that carries it through. So we have manhood, we have womanhood coming together in complementary fashion in order to create harmony, okay? Before it into the world, that was, that was the picture. Both of these, man and woman, both made in the image of God. Both of these, man and woman, both equal in the eyes of God. But man and woman, different in their manhood and in their womanhood. They, they, they carry out, when they carry out the role that God has given to them, when they respected each other, when they understand the pattern uh, that, that, that's called out for them, it became beautiful. They served each other, they complimented each other, they enjoyed each other, and they created for themselves a world of harmony, right? But then this is what happens, right? So in the same way, when our praise team, they played what they were supposed to play, they played what they practiced playing, 
They played what they were trained to play. They played what they were ordered to play. Every beat, every sound, every note put together by itself kind of off, but placed together, it creates this picture of harmony. But sin comes in. Sin comes in, and what sin does is it breaks the picture of manhood up, and it breaks the picture of womanhood up. Sin comes in, right, and it ruined this harmony. It created brokenness. Sin came in, and it made men abandon their manhood. It made men become what? Passive and harsh, insensitive and uncaring, right? Sin came in, and it broke the picture of manhood, and then at the same time, sin came in, and it broke the picture of womanhood. Women began to become what? Manipulative, right? Instead of being supportive and honoring, manipulative, defiance, helpless, right, in their actions, and this brokenness tried to come together, and instead of creating harmony, it actually created discord, right? By not working together in complementary fashion, not carrying out the role that you're supposed to carry out when you come together. Instead of making a beautiful harmony sound, you get come together and you create brokenness. And I don't need to preach this to you for you to understand this. You just look at a demographic in the world today. Look at any place, any place. One of the highest poverty or highest uh, uh, places of, of, of poverty in this world, usually in that place, what happens? We see passive men in the family. Passive men in such a way where they abandon their family, where they checked out emotionally in their family, when they're no longer around their family. See, men were called in the order that God's made for you to lead, to love, and to care. And men in their ideal are able to make things flourish whenever they step into that place. But when men are taken out of that place, what happens overall, generally, what we see is broken homes, broken children, broken families. You know why? Because we've broken the picture of manhood. And the same way, when we, when we have families with a broken picture of womanhood, what do we see? We see mothers trying to create perfection that's not there, trying to put on a show about their kids, trying to make things look right for the eyes of the world, but not dealing with the actual inward problems. We see generation of young ladies, right, disrespecting their husbands because why? Because their mother disrespected their fathers. We see a, young, a generation of young ladies, right, using their emotions and their strength to manipulate things just because they can get what they want. Broken picture of manhood and womanhood. When it works together in complementary fashion, you create harmony. When it's outside of that, you create discord. If God is who he says he is, okay, if God is who he says he is, then he alone understands what makes a man flourish, what makes a woman flourish. And he alone understands that when they work together in this complementary fashion, flourishing happens and harmony happens. There is no better picture of marriage in the world when a wife and a husband work in this way. There's no marriage institution created by man that comes close, right? I mean, they can. You can get pretty close. I mean, Lung was not bad, He's on, right? He's a pretty good voice, right? He was on key, right? Better than me, right? It wasn't bad. But it wasn't what? Where it was meant to be. It wasn't where it was meant to be. And so when a husband leads like Christ, 
And when a wife responds like the bride of Christ, there is harmony mutually that is more beautiful and more satisfying and more fruitful than any pattern of marriage created by man. Okay? I need to start that off. Very important because I need to lay that foundation for you guys before I get into this passage. Okay? For because of this. The real test, I think, whether we've actually grasped this truth about manhood and womanhood and we actually affirm that it's true. The real test is whether Paul's application of it when it comes to the church surprises you or offends you or not. Whether it surprises you or offends you. The real test, whether you actually believe in this complementary harmony created by man and woman together, playing out the role that God has given to them in this order to create harmony, the real test, whether you believe that's true, is whether you're offended by this passage or not. Whether you're offended by what Paul's about to say. And my hope is that I've I can lay down the foundation for you to understand, ladies, Paul is not trying to be misogynistic. Paul is not trying to put you down. Paul is not trying to make you look bad. Paul is not trying to put you in your place. What Paul is trying to do is he's trying to bring back order. He's trying to bring back Eden. Because he looks at the world and he sees this brokenness and he says, this is not how it's supposed to be. God made it a certain way. If we would return there. It will be good. If we would turn back to it, if we would restore that, it would be good. So my goal today, okay, is that I hope and I pray that as we begin to talk about spiritual authority, as you begin to think about pouring your life into someone else, and as you are getting your life poured into, that you understand this picture of spiritual authority well when it comes to this dynamic, okay? Open your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 9 to 10. Let me give you some context as we read this real fast. Again, the, the problem with the, the language is that sometimes the language sounds very forceful and very powerful in our time. But it was not meant to sound like that when Paul was preaching it. Okay? And my hope, guys, is this. I hope that our men would be men. I hope that our women would be women. I hope that we have situations where we would raise up a generation of men who would lead, who would love, and who would care, and a generation of women who would support and honor and walk alongside to make God's kingdom come to fruition. I know some of you guys are thinking, well, man, I don't know about that. I grew up in a family where it's only raised by women. Right? I turned out okay. Or I, I've known many situations like that. Can I tell you, in situations like that, I feel, I feel bad. Right? Not for you. Right? Praise God for that. It's the fact that there was no man around, that somehow whoever was supposed to be in your life checked out because he was a coward, because he chose to be passive instead of actually carrying out the role that God has made him to carry out, right? And in situations like that, when the ideal is not there, guess what happens? God takes grace, and he, and he, and he, and he strengthens the love of a mom to carry both roles when she was not meant to. There's grace in there. But the ideal is not, the ideal, the ideal is that two come together, working together for God's glory, okay? First Timothy, chapter 1, chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Let me read this for you guys real fast. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. I know you listen to this like, whoa, whoa, PT, I have hair that's braided. PT, I got jewelry all over my body, right? PT, I have pearls, I think, right? I have expensive clothes, okay? Like, am I supposed to, like, 
just like a nun? What am I supposed to do? Right? What, what, what is this whole thing about? Paul is saying the principle here was this. Okay, the issue here was this. There are a lot of people in Ephesus, a lot of rich women in Ephesus. And these rich women began to really receive Paul's message and they really want to build the church. And so they invited a lot of people into their homes and the church in their homes. And as they were there, a lot of these false teachers start coming in and start saying, hey, you know what? Hey, let me tickle your ear so you keep me in my position of leadership. Let me tell you, hey, do be flashy. Draw attention to yourself. Make yourself stand out. Make yourself become where everyone notices you. Because when everyone notices you, when attention comes to you, then, right, you become the big shot. You can make the calls. You can say the stuff, right, and you can lead. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what's, what's important? Right? This is your home. This is your food. You're opening your house. Why can't you have a say? These were the false teachers. They were trying to implement this into the heart of these young ladies. And so Paul told Timothy, hey, man, that's broken. It's broken. Chapter 1, he says, I command you, go and speak to these false teachers and restore the created order. I'm not here to put women down. I'm not here to judge the way they look. I'm not here to make them feel small. I'm here to say, hey, do you really want to flourish? Do you understand what flourishing really looks like? Do you understand what flourishing really, how, how flourishing really happens? Go back to the restored order. Paul is trying to bring restoration of creator art. He's trying to bring harmony back. Because when the man does what he's supposed to do and the woman does what they're supposed to do, they complement each other. No one's better than the other. No one's, uh, no one, they're both equal in the eyes of God, but both have their distinct and unique and beautiful roles that God's given to them. That when they work together, they create, everyone say it, harmony. All right. So that was the issue. And so Paul's saying, here's the thing, you guys keep drawing attention to yourself. Not in, not in a positive way, but you draw attention to yourself and say, listen to me, watch me as I stand up and tell you what's up. This is my home. This is my house. This is my food. This is, you are here on, because of my generosity. Let me tell you what you should be listening to and what you should be doing. And Paul's saying, hold up. Whoever's telling you to do that broke the order. They've lost the picture. So let me help you restore it. So check this out. And then he goes on. Okay? And it's the next, con- next, uh, next few verses is very controversial because there's very key words here that makes you feel like, dang, what a jerk Paul is, right? Check in verse 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Over a man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner, right? And so you listen to this and you read this and you're like, man, this is the reason why the world hates the church. This is the reason why the Bible is so backwards. This is the reason why, right, we should disregard anything that comes from here and just live our life the way we want to live our life because it's so backwards, so there's three words that comes out that makes us kind of, kind of question it. The word is silent, the word is teaching, the word is authority. Silent, teaching, authority. I 
They must remain silent. They are to not teach men, right? They should have no authority over men. And you hear this, and you're like, uh do you know who I am, right? Do you know what my family is about? You're telling me to be silent? That doesn't work that way. You're telling me that I can't teach? You're telling me what to do, Paul? Who do you think you are? Uh-uh, right? you telling me I have no authority? This house is my house. You can't even stay in this place if I didn't want you. I have authority. And Paul said, no, that's the point. You're missing the point. I'm here to restore what is broken. So let me try to share with you guys. Let me try to un- unfold this for you. So as you guys are learning about it, as you guys are listening to it, as you, as you guys are going through this process, you understand why people are so upset about this. And so we can figure out how to mitigate it. Look at verse 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Do not, I do not permit a woman to teach a man. She must be silent. Silence. Okay? Silence here does not mean utter and complete do not talk. You know? People take this verse wrong, and they're like, so he tells me that I have to shut up, right, and not say anything in church, and not speak up my mind, not share my thoughts or my emotions. What kind of teaching is that? That's not what Paul is saying at all, right? Here, if you look in context, he repeats the word silence in the Greek three times, okay? One before this and one after this, and we're going to learn this, okay? Uh, Verse 2, it says, for kings and all those in authority, chapter 2, verse 2, for kings and all those in authority... That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. The, the Greek word is hesukia, which is the word for silence. Okay, it was repeated here. It's the same word for the word quiet. What Paul is saying here is a quiet life, peacefulness, which godly people should lead. Paul is asking for a quiet, peaceful life that you should lead. Not a other not talking life, but a, a life that seeks for peace, a life that is humble, a life that is still, a life that does not um, step out there and create defiance, a life, right? Verse 12, it says this, uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. Same word is used. This quietness is the opposite of exercising authority over men, right? It says silence has to do something with submission, Okay, silence here deals with, I don't want you to have authority. There's something about submission with silence here. And so Paul is saying here, silence, the kind of quietness that respects and honors the leadership of men that God has called over you. So when Paul said, I, you must remain silent, his phrasing, the correct phrasing of this would be, I want you to respect and live a quietness that honors the leadership, the spiritual authority that God has placed over you in this church. I don't want you to stand up and demand attention to yourself. Again, what am I doing? I'm trying to restore the created order. I'm trying to restore what has been broken. I'm trying to restore and bring harmony in the church. That I know that if we would do this, the church will flourish. And so Paul says, I want you to live in quietness and peacefulness. I want you to live in such a way that respects, that honors those of spiritual authority in your life. That could be your small group leader. That could be your uh, uh, church pastor. It could be your elders. It could be your salt group member, but it could be salt group leader. But to respect and honor them in such a way. Not to say silent and just let them speak into your life, but to honor them. The, The silent here is quietness of spirit. Okay? All right. Next one is teaching. Check this out. 
He says, I did not permit a woman to teach. Does it mean like any teaching? You're telling me what to do with my life? I, I'm not allowed to teach at all? That's not true at all. Does not mean that you cannot teach because in the Bible, Titus 2.3, it was said that women should, what? Teach other women. To lead younger women. Older women should teach and guide younger women in the way they should go. Of honor, integrity. 2 Timothy 3.14, Paul reminds Timothy, hey, Timothy, remember from whom you learned the scripture. Who did he learn the scripture from? Yes, no? His mom and grandma, Eunice and Lois. These two women, women of spiritual integrity, they did what? They taught him the scripture. His father didn't teach him the scripture. His father wasn't around. His father wasn't a Jew. His father didn't even believe. But it was his mom and his grandma that instilled God's truth into Timothy's life. And then later on, Acts 18, verse 26, Priscilla and Aquila, right, a couple, they heard this guy named Apollos preaching the scripture, but they, he was missing some things. And so Priscilla and Aquila stopped by and they pulled him aside and said, hey, I love what you're doing. You're preaching well, but the problem is this is what you're missing. And they both went and did what? Taught Apollos. So what we see in scripture is that women do teach women, women teach children, and women teach men. You guys follow me? So Paul's not saying you cannot teach. Paul's not saying I'm going to hold you down and make you nobody. Paul is saying this very specifically. Teaching here on, base, on verse 12 probably has something to do with authority. I don't want you to teach in a position of spiritual authority, right? In the position of spiritual authority over in a very specific setting. What is the authority here? What is the authority we're, talk, we're talking about, okay? Based on the rest of the letter Paul writes, this is what he says. He says, I do not permit a woman to, have, to teach or to have authority over a man. Based on the rest of the letter, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, right, it talks about the authority of the elders, those who are in charge of running the church, those who are given the job of caring for and watching over the spiritual atmosphere of the church, Authority is found through service, servant leadership. See, an elder is not an elder because he has power or because he has skill set. An elder is an elder because he seeks to serve his people. And he serves his people through the practice of teaching. He persuades his people through the act of teaching. A teaching what? The authority of God's word. His job is to teach God's word to the congregation. That is his role. That is his position. That is where he's supposed to go. And Paul is taking the original order that God made for man and woman. He's saying, look, in the household, manhood flourishes, womanhood flourishes when you let the man lead, when you let him care and love to stand up for what is right, to fight for what is right. You let him do what he's supposed to do. And in the same way, the family flourishes when the woman, you allow for her to do what she is called to do, to come alongside, to honor, to support, and to move the leadership forward in God's kingdom together. They complement each other, and they create harmony. And Paul is saying in the same way in the church, in the church, there is those who have been given spiritual authority, the elders of the church. And as elders of the church, their job is to speak spiritual word and spiritual food to their people. And Paul is saying, I, in order for flourishing to happen within the community, in order for harmony to exist, in order for growth to happen the way God has called it, 
I call upon this, that the eldership in terms of teaching belongs to a man of spiritual authority. In our church, we have elders. We have female elders and we have male elders, right? But we have what we call ruling elders and teaching elders. Guess what I am? I am a teaching elder. My job is to teach the word of God. My job is to offer the authority of God's word to you. We have ruling elders, and their job is to serve their people outside of here. But the position and the authority of teaching, Paul is saying, submit to that. If you submit to that and you allow for that submission to happen, what we see is we see harmony and growth within the church. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but let me tell you a story, okay? When I first came to um, uh, TLC, I mean, let, me, let, me, let me give you the, the definition of submission first. Submission here refers to the divine calling of the rest of the church, not just to women, to the whole church. The reason why he's, he's singling out women at this point right here in, in, in the story, in, in the narrative, in the letter, is because this has to be a very specific problem that the church was facing in Ephesus. This is a very specific issue that the rich women in the church were being defiant and they were stepping in all over the place and they were not allowing God's word to move forward. And so Paul steps in and he's trying to say, let me, re, let me restore this order for you. But the submission is not just to women. The submission here is to everyone within the church, both men and women, to honor and to affirm leadership of the elders so that they can be equipped to carry out ministry. My job is to equip you. My job is to teach you. My job is to give you God's word in its entirety. And your job is to take it, submit to my authority, submit to what I've been given, right? And then you go and do ministry with it. You go and do ministry with it. That's why this has always been my, my, my key line here at TLC. If you are a husband and you are a wife, and you're a man in this church, and you cannot sit under my spiritual authority. Please find a pastor that you're willing to submit to. Find a pastor that you're willing to submit to. Because that is more important than just being liked or being belonged here. Because if you're willing to submit, I know what? The church will flourish because of your submission. I know that. Not because I'm like so gifted. I know that because... The word of God calls it to happen. If you would submit, the church would flourish. And I don't want you guys to be here and be antagonistic with me. Not that I can't handle it, but I know that the church would never flourish well if that happens. That if you would sit under someone that you're willing to say, you know, I will follow that leadership. You know, he speaks God's truth. And I admit, I admit, I'll, I'll, I'll confess to you guys. As a spiritual authority, I have a very daunting task. You know why? Because I have to always watch my character. I have to always watch how I present myself, what I do. I always have to be honest, repent when I'm wrong. Do you understand why? Because I am given the charge of giving you God's word. And if I screw this up, if I don't carry out my role as spiritual authority, okay, we mess up as a church. Because if you're submitting to this and it's wrong, then as a church, we, we, we're broken. So I have a daunting task, but you also have a daunting task. That if I preach God's truth and I preach God's word and you know it's from here, would you submit to it? When I first came to TLC, um, 
I was very intimidated by uh, Bak Wang, An Wang. You guys know An Wang, the doctor in our church, right? I was very intimidated by him. You know why? Because I was a 20, how long ago that? 28-year-old nobody, right? I pastored a church of like 10 people before I came to this church. And a bunch of kids. I was the oldest person there. And I, and, and I raised them since they were like children. So like my word is law over there, right? Like I speak and they listen. I come over here and I got like older people that I got to deal with. I got like an Wang, right, who's like I'm supposed to like teach. I'm like, um, what am I going to, you have five kids. I have zero at this moment. Like what am I going to teach you, right? Like you have a decade or two ahead of me. Like what am I going to teach you, right? You have an MD degree. I barely have a bio, uh, bachelor's degree in science. Like, like, what am I going to teach this man? Yes, get me. It was, it was very intimidating, unbelievable intimidating. And every time I'm like, I would, I would second guess. Like, I'll say something. I was like, kind of like, uh, is, is that good? Right? I, I was like, is, is that right? You know? And you know what he did? This is what he, this is what he did that, 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 that changed the game. Right? It changed everything. I said, look, I don't know how to run a church, guys. <laughs> I'll be honest. I have no idea how to run a church. This is a church this big. But I do know the word of God. And the only thing I know about the word of God is that he tells us to go make disciples. Let's just start there. And I was like, is that good? Right? <laughs> I was like, is that good? Right? And he looked at me and he said, I submit. Whatever you say, we will go all the way. And I'll, that didn't help me. That actually freaked me out even more, right? I was like, what do you mean? You, like, like, like you trust me completely like that? Yeah. You are the spiritual authority of our church, of our EM. I submit. I said, you are a grown man. Like, why are you submitting to me? Like, that's just crazy. But in that submission, in that submission, what happened? Eight years later, right, 80% of our church is in discipleship. You guys know that? 80% of us are doing one-on-one with somebody. We flirt. And, and you're just thinking, like, oh, that's not so bad. You ask any other church within the area how often they do one-on-one with somebody, right? The answer is, like, little to none. Discipleship is, like, maybe five people doing it within the church as a whole. But you know why? Flourishing happens when you have a spiritual authority and you have a spirit of people willing to submit to the authority. Right? And the authority is not because I'm great. The authority is simply because God has given me this task to teach you this word. And I'm giving you this word not because I am so gifted in my skill set of life and mature. I give you this word as it is. Right? I do my best to tell you as it is to say, look, if I'm giving it to you wrong, we're all screwed. Okay? <laughs> but if I'm giving it to you right and we submit to it, what we're going to see is spiritual flourishing. In the same way, when you're in your home, you don't need me to explain this. You see this in homes. You see this played out in families of lives of, of maybe your life. When the father does not lead, when he does not exercise his God-given role of manhood, what do we see usually in the family? We see brokenness. We see young ladies Chasing after a father figure, looking for love. We see mothers trying to take on both roles, exhausted. We see sons 
no longer understanding what a role of a man should be, but going out and doing whatever he thinks the world tells him a man should be like. We see real brokenness there. And what do you think happens in the church? The exact same thing. When there's people and there's authority and we do not submit to the spiritual authority that God has given to us, what we see is discord, brokenness, and there's no harmony in the community. Ladies, am I telling you you guys can't be CEOs? No, I didn't say that. That you guys can't be the president of the United States of America, right? I, I never said that. You definitely knew that. You're, you're, you're allowed, you, you, you please go and do that. What the scripture is clearly saying is this. If you want to see flourishing in your family, why not go to the one who actually made the family? Does that make sense? That's pretty logical to me, right? If you're going to want to see flourishing in your family, why not go to the source that tells us what flourishing looks like? Okay? This all, again, this is all presupposes on that God is real, okay? If you don't believe God is real, then... I'm sorry for the last hour, okay, right? But if God is real, then let's go back to the source. And he said, this is what it looks like. This is what brings flourishing. When a man does what he's supposed to do, when a woman does what they're supposed to do, both made in the image of God, both equal in the eyes of God, carrying out their complementary roles, bringing harmony to the family. And in the same way in the church, when the spiritual those who in spiritual authority do what they're called to do, and those who are submitted to the equipping, to the teaching, and to the ministry that they have been called to do, they come together and they complement that role. What you will see is flourishing within the church. That's why, can I tell you something? Communication is so important. When there is miscommunication, when there is he said, she said, when there is I assume this, I assume that, it is so broken. Isn't it? We, we assume so many things about people and we don't make it clear. And there's so many times, like, I get scared sometimes. Like, sometimes when, I, like, when, I, when I've gone too far into the lives of people, like, oh, maybe I just need to step back and just not know anything. Because the more I know, it feels like the bigger problem there is, right? And we don't communicate our hurts to each other. We don't communicate our problems to each other. And we create more issues. And then after a while, you'll be like, I can't submit to you, PT. Like, what happened? We were fine. Like, no. And all these things came up. <laughs> this is not my spew to tell you. Listen to me, I am great, I'm awesome, right? I am great and I am awesome, but it's not my spew to tell you to listen to that. It's not my spew to tell you to listen to me, right? It is my spew to share with you. Hey, you saw, when we work together in complimentary fashion, beautiful music comes out. When we do the roles we're not supposed to do, it sounds okay, but it's broken. It's broken. And my hope for you guys is this. Christ's love for the church was so deep that he gave his life for the church. That's the spiritual authority that we follow. Right? I love you guys too. I will, I will give what is necessary for you. I was so scared about this passage. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, I was freaking out about it. I, I, I text Pastor Lynn. I texted and Wang. I was like, dude, like, what am I going to, like, should I preach this? Like, what if, like, we have a lot of woke people in our church and, like, I get in trouble for this, and, you know, and they didn't give me a very good answer. I hate them, right? But they were like, oh, man, you just, you are the pastor of your congregation. You're in charge of preaching God's truth. Just preach God's truth, all right? I am under submission as well. You know, Pastor Lynn, I'll tell you a funny story. Pastor Lynn 
for seven years, he's been forcing me or suggesting me or, like, you know, asking me to go to uh, that Southern Baptist Daihoi every year, right? And I've been putting it off saying, like, oh, I have AZ mission, but I haven't gone to AZ mission for the past, like, three years, you know, four years. And finally he said, you know, Pastor, he's very sweet. He's like, I'm not forcing you, but I'm asking with a lot of authority. <laughs> go, right? And so I was like, okay, I will go, right? I said, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, Pastor Lin. Like, I feel bad. I, I, submission, I'll go, right? Kid you not. The moment I said yes, I literally got a phone call day after. Some dude in Texas was like, or some pastor in Texas, right, was like, hey, uh, Tony, can you come? I heard you're coming. Can you preach for us? I'm like, hmm, interesting, right? What is going on? All right, but it's okay. Part of submission. It's submission. It's part of submission. I mean, I was, I was kind of like, ah. I, I thought I was just going to go and check it out, man. Like, you know, like, I'm going to go and I'm gonna go and run a seminar over there, I guess, you know. But uh, point is, point is. I know that in submission, in submission, we will see flourishing. And that's why I submit. I submit to the authorities God's placed before me. And I pray that you submit to the authority of God's word through me to you. Okay? How do we pour out our lives to people? How do we be, live our life pouring to people? Would you, would you live in such a way where you're willing to submit to the spiritual authority in your life. If you are a leader, would you live in such a way where you're teaching your people to submit to the spiritual authority? And this is for you too. If you're a leader, you have a daunting task. You guys realize that? If you declare yourself spiritual leader and authority, you have a daunting task. You cannot mess up too much, right? And if you do mess up, you just pray that they forget everything you said, right? Seriously, I mean, I pray that every time on Sunday. Like if I say something wrong, God... Let them forget, and you guys actually forget the whole message. So it's, 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 it's uh, it happens, you know, All right? But my prayer, my prayer is that if you are a leader, small group leader, salt leader, uh, uh, ministry leader, if you are a husband and wife, you have a daunting task. If you are a spiritual authority over somebody, your daunting task is this. If you are going to be of authority, then you got to be with authority according to God's word because like it or not, all leaders are judged double. All teachers are judged double for what they teach, right? Uh, I don't know what that looks like yet, right? I hope that I will prove faithful, and I hope that you will prove faithful on that day. That you will be faithful to who you teach and how you teach them. That's not about making them feel good, making them say things that make them that they, so that they can like you. But you speak in such a way where you are exercising this authority into their life. Amen? Let's pray. I can only imagine.